something to say. Hey everybody, welcome to Project Shadow. My name is Charlie, I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer. How have you been? Hopefully you're getting ready for to this Friday's marathon episode. Brian and I have recorded our review of, of Dreadnought by April Daniels, and it will be coming out on Friday. And we decided to schedule it for Friday because it's an hour and 20 minutes of us discussing this book, and I didn't want to break it up into separate episodes because... As much as I love Dreadnought, and we've already started going through Sovereign, which is the second book in the series, um, I didn't want one thing to take over the podcast for several episodes, and I didn't want you to have to wait for a week between each part of our review. So the entire review will be coming out on Friday. It's an hour and 20 minutes long. A lot of that is spoiler talk, so if you haven't read the book and you're adverse to spoilers... I advise you to get on that because it's such a good book. Oh, not to spoil our review show, but it is such a good book. You really need to get into it and love it and everything. And I already know that we messed up on one thing because we were debating which coast they were on and it's the West Coast. I thought they were on the West Coast and then I... Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's coming on Friday, the hour, 20-minute marathon review. So... Hopefully you're ready for that by the time that comes out. Today, we're going to be talking about something different. And, okay, I don't know if you watch this guy on YouTube. He makes some really good videos, and you should definitely check him out if you're interested in film or story or anything like that. His name is Karsten Runquist, K-R-S-T-E-N-R-U-N-Q-U-I-S-T. Definitely go check him out if this is something you're interested in. Anyway, this week he put out a video titled Pixar vs. Ghibli because he was challenged over which is his favorite, Pixar or Ghibli. And I really enjoyed his video and I liked a lot of what he had to say, but, and this is where me as a writer who spent way too much in the world of theory, way too much time, way too much time. Um, there's one thing that I've been dying to talk about on the podcast, and I've kind of mentioned a couple times, but there's one thing that differentiates Pixar and Studio Ghibli that he didn't talk about, and that is their approach to narrative. And this is very important because it actually explains a lot of what he had to say about what he thought were the differences between the two types of movies. Because... A lot of what he goes into is that Studio Ghibli worlds seem to be much better built out, whereas Studio um, Pixar, sorry, Pixar films tend to be much more character-based. And with a few exceptions, don't dig very deeply into the worlds that they're building, or in fact, even take the time to build an alternative world at all. Most, most of the worlds that Pixar writes in are our world with maybe one notable exception like Monsters, Inc. 
it's essentially our world, but there's kind of a parallel monster world that operates a lot like ours does, where there's high school and college and everybody's got a boring day job. And, you know, it, it's not fundamentally different than ours, except for that the monster world feeds off screen. That, that's the main point of departure between those two worlds. Something like a uh, Finding Nemo. It's our world except for animals can talk. <laughs> Unless you're a seagull. Because stupid seagulls. <sighs> anyway, I'm not going to talk about the abs. I wanted to talk about the abs, but nobody's seen Rick and Steve in a very long time. Because it was a, not a big show. So people don't get when I talk about the abs of the seagull. So if you can find a copy of Rick and Steve and you are not averse to really, really bad comedy. And I mean bad as in, oh, it's naughty. Definitely check it out. It's very funny. Anyway, um, I agree with most of what he had to say, and I really enjoyed his video, and I highly recommend that you go check it out. But when you actually look at the main difference between a Studio Ghibli and a Pixar film, one of the main differences is how they actually approach the story. So a Pixar film is very much an American or Western film. It follows, all of their films follow a classic three-act structure. They, you, you can size them up depending on which Western philosophy of writing you want to tie them to. They all fit in very well, be that Blake Snyder's Save the Cat, which I often feel that many Pixar films actually use because you get to see a lot of the elements of Blake, Blake Snyder in their fiction, including the fact that very often in a Pixar film, you will see them save the cat early. Um, save the cat being kind of this shorthand that if your character is going to be a hero, they need to save the cat early in the story so that you understand that they're a hero. Think uh, the first Superman movie where he literally, one of the first acts that we see him do as a superhero is save a cat from a tree because Superman <laughs> never quite understood that, but I do love that movie, but they are very character based. They're based on the development of a character and watching the development and change of that character. And while I'm not going to say that that is untrue of any studio Ghibli film where you start calling in or writing in with angry comments about how Studio Ghibli characters do sh change and grow and develop. And yes, you can apply Western models to understanding Studio Ghibli films. You also have to understand that kind of baked into most fiction that you're going to find from Japan or um, East Asia, be it from China, Korea, or Japan, because it's a very prevalent style of writing in these countries is the idea of Kishoten Ketsu. And you've probably heard me say that a few times before because, well, I am personally obsessed with it because, as I've said before on this show, I kind of went off on my own trying to figure out how I can craft the best kind of story that I want to tell and kind of independently came up with my own version of um, Kishoten Ketsu and then found out that it existed and was so happy because it was able to fix some of the problems that I had in the system that I had figured out. And it has really changed the way that I write and the way I tell stories 
and help me to understand why I resonate most strongly with stories from anime, manga, China, Korea, why those stories and stories um, inspired from there often cause me to resonate most strongly. Okay, so what is Kyushu Tenketsu? Okay, Kyushu, Kyushu Tenketsu is four words. Ki is setup, Sho is development, Ten is the twist, and Ketsu is the resolution. Okay, so in the unlike a normal story that we're used to here in the West, where you have a setup, you have the middle, and then you have the climax and the denouement. That's the closest thing we have to a four-part story structure, though very often it's just beginning, middle, end. Um, that everything is ri rising action up until the climax, and then falling action at the end. And that's about as far as most Western models go. Some embellish that a little bit more than others. For example, Blake Snyder is very big on making sure that you include a section of the story which he calls fun and games, which is where all of the elements of your trailer will come from, which just shows people kind of reveling in the world and really getting people to understand the nature of the world through them kind of having moments of freedom to explore the setting. Um, John Truby uses that basic model of, you know, rising action, climax, denouement, that beginning, middle, and end, but his primary focus is on theme and he drills very heavily into character development and how their moral and psychological problems affect them throughout the story and how the ghost of the backstory affects them, leading to some kind of pivotal character change that will be exhibited through the story. Now, that is the basic thread of most Western stories since the time of Aristotle, who pioneered discussion on this kind of three-act story. And before, again, anybody writes in and say, well, there are five-act plays, Shakespeare often wrote five-act plays, blah, 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 blah. Yes, but they're all rooted in this Aristotelian idea of the three-act structure. And while they may add or subtract elements that Aristotle thought were important, they very rarely ever depart too far from it. So when you think of most of the stories that you are used to watching from Western television, movies, and novels, you have some kind of an inciting incident that gets the character involved into the story. This would be, of course, to use Harry Potter for an example, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Hagrid tells Harry he's a wizard. This could be seen as the inciting incident of the story, and one you could do a valid reading of the book that way. I tend to think the inciting incident comes later, and that's where they read in the, when Harry reads in The Daily Prophet, that Gringotts was broken into. That everything prior to that point is set up, and the actual inciting incident is there, because the actual plot of the story doesn't really kick in until you get to, oh, there was a break-in at Gringotts. Oh, wait a minute. I saw Hagrid take something out of that vault earlier in the day. Whatever they were after, Hagrid took and brought here. And so that's the inciting incident, which leads to our climax. Our climax, we have rising action all the way to the climax, which in Harry Potter, again, this is when he defeats 
Quirrell, his actual fight with Quirrell, and what everything that happens there, the reveal that Voldemort had been possessing him, kind of, sort of, or inhabiting his body. And we follow that up with this wonderful denouement that is um, Dumbledore sitting down with Harry and kind of explaining what those things that Harry didn't understand and those wonderful scenes of Harry getting back on the train, getting the photo album of his parents and heading back to the horrible Dursleys at the end of the story. Very simple three act structure. Okay. There's, there's a lot more to it than that, but we're, we're going to be talking in kind of high concepts in this episode to keep it short. Okay. Cause trust me, there's a lot more we can talk about, but I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. Because if I don't, this this will be another hour and a half episode. So in a Kisho Tenketsu story, the idea is more about exploring the world and the setting and the characters. And so while you may have a traditional three-act story buried within it, so that you have an inciting incident, rising action, a climax, and a denouement, those may all be present in your story the main thrust and the main method through which you tell the story is different. So in this, this type of a story, you introduce a setting or a situation. Okay. So that's the key. Here's the situation. Here's the way the world is. San is moving with her parents to a new town for some re for reasons. And they stop at what looks like an abandoned carnival, or um, play playland. She doesn't really want to move. Set up, okay. Then we go to the um, so it's case show. Now we develop this more. So what happens next? Well, her parents eat some of the food. They turn into pigs. All of a sudden, the lights, the sun starts going down. All the spirits start showing up, and all of a sudden, our main character finds themselves in this completely different world that's not what they expected and ends up getting a job at a ghost at a spirit bathhouse working for Baba and all of the events that we see there we see this development of the story she meets an, an enigmatic an enigmatic dragon boy who she seems to have some connection with but she doesn't understand she has the adventures with the um, no, the no-name spirit, which is a very interesting and fun part of it. But through all of this, we're developing the world. And you see, most of what we're doing throughout this is understanding, learning to understand the mechanics of the world and how the world actually functions, how the world works, and how she is going to find her place in it. We see her sign the contract. We get to understand the nature of the contracts. We meet so many other people that are both working and going to the bathhouse, everything's being developed. This goes up to the 10, the twist. So here we are, Kisho 10, the twist. In the twist, everything changes, right? All of a sudden, our dra dragon boyfriend that she has some connection with but doesn't quite understand shows up after being attacked kind of death by a thousand paper cuts by a whole bunch of paper planes and paper paper birds that were cutting it to shreds. And 
all of a sudden, San learns that Baba has a sister. And they are kind of fighting with each other, and there's a struggle there. And San takes it on herself to take the journey to make everything better. Everything that we knew, where Baba seemed to be the one in control of the world, and the one who was the supreme power, we see that, no, actually, she's been challenged. Some of the weird things that we saw earlier were some of her sister's attempts to take over the bathhouse and to get back at her sister for things. And so everything kind of gets twist, twisted. It gets flipped on its head. The story becomes something very different. And if you actually notice, this is where most Western stories would not take this turn. Through the story so far, the whole story has been has been about San trying to save her parents and the risk to her parents. Now, she actually cares about the world and wants to make the world a better place. In so doing, she learns that the dragon boy that she has had a connection with is the spirit of the river that used to flow by her house when she was a kid. The river she used to play at all the time. In remembering this, the sp she remembers the spirit's real name. He reclaims his real name. And through the, a series of incidents that happen after this, she remembers her real name and she gets her parents back and we come to our conclusion of the story, right? But all through this narrative twist. If the twist hadn't happened, if San hadn't gotten to a place where she started acting for her own reasons within this world and really taking part in it, San would never have saved her family. We can go through any of the Studio Ghibli films and break this out, and that's the Ketsu, the completion, where you take the world that we knew prior to the twist and the world after the twist and find some way to reconcile them, to bring them back together so that everything works again. This, of course, is the wonderful scene in Spirited Away where San has to find her parents in a pen full of pigs. Yeah, her parents are turned into pigs. Which one are they? And she has to take kind of everything that she's learned and everything that she's discovered about how this world works in order to solve the problem. See, all of that setup, all of that development, and everything that happened within the twist pays off in this conclusion of the story where everything comes full circle and we have a resolution. Again, we can go through Princess Mononoke or House Moving Castle. We can see this throughout them. It's an amazingly different way to tell a story because we're focused more on the development of the world and people's interactions in the world. And that's why people like Karsten and myself find themselves much more attracted to the worlds of Studio Ghibli, yet often more attracted to the characters in Pixar. When we go back to my friend Totoro, so much is about the world. We're actually... I. I I can never remember if we're actually told what disease the girl's parents have, the, the girl's mother has. It may be said, but it's actually their fear response to their mother's illness and the strength that they learn from being with Totoro that the story is actually about. So while her mom's, their mom's illness may be mentioned in the story, which I can't remember it actually being. I may be wrong about that, but this is, it goes to prove my point. 
All we really need to know is that their mom is sick. Their father is struggling to pay the bills and take care of the mother and take care of the kids. And through their adventures and misadventures with Totoro, they learn to be strong on their own. They learn to have their own voice. They learn to be okay with whatever happens. That even bad things happen. And while you don't necessarily celebrate them, you can find the strength to get through even the bad things. And all of that is explored through the world and through how they learn their way through. If, if you're following what I'm saying. Now, I think you could almost make an argument that something like Coco, the Pixar film Coco, does follow that model to a certain degree, but it is so much more fixated on who is his father, finding his father, the magic guitar, the spirit world, the spirit animals, the, the, the day of the dead aspects are there, but they are in the end, background dressing. They, they, they're window dressing. They're the thing that makes the story world function in a way, but it's the actual change within the boy's heart that makes the movie what it is. We learn a lot about how the mind of a child works in Pixar and vicariously how our own mind works through all of the world building that's in there. But in the end, it's the character change that takes place in joy that is what makes the world makes makes the setting matter and it's what makes the story complete the focus is much more on the character change and the character than it is on everything from the world connecting to itself it's a, it's a very different way to look at story and it's one of the reasons why i think a lot of us are attracted to um, wuxia films like I am, wuxia and jinsha films, and um, manga and anime and manhwa and these other story forms. I think it's also one of the reasons why Korean drama is becoming more popular in the United States other than simply its availability on various streaming platforms. There, it's These are stories that much like our own soap operas in a lot of ways, have a lot of that, you know, you slept with my sister, da, 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 you know, that, that, that drama that you expect, but they spend much more time getting you to understand the world and the situation and the twists kind of developing out of that and having to be reconciled back into that. This approach, this very different approach to telling stories is what at its core, makes a Studio Ghibli film very different from a Pixar film. And it's something that Karsten didn't talk about. And it's probably because it's something that Karsten didn't know about. Because, like I said, I went years trying to figure out what this difference was, and only recently, this year, stumbled into, oh, that's what it is. And that makes a... And once you, once you see it, it's like in the Matrix being able to see the code, right? All of a sudden, you understand, oh, that's the thing that I liked there. That's the thing that I resonated with. And I think that's one of the things that you're starting to find with people that are making these arguments that I'm seeing much more common now on 
the internet where people are comparing Studio Ghibli films with Pixar films particularly and debating which is better, which I always hate because better is such a relative term, especially when you're dealing with fiction. Like, I think we can talk about which ones of the Harry Potter books are better than others because they're all in the same setting. They have the same characters by the same writer. And <laughs> there's a lot of similarity there that you can compare it to. But if you ask me to compare Harry Potter with some other, you know, the Dresden Files, yeah, there's some basic similarities in that they're all essentially urban fantasies, kind of, if you stretch the definition of urban fantasy a bit. But they're so different in what they are. Yeah, they all have kind of mystery stories to them, and eh, but they're so different. Like, I couldn't compare Harry Dresden and Harry Potter. They're such different characters. I may resonate with one more than I do the other, like I, I do with Harry Potter. I love the Dresden books, but I resonate much stronger with Harry Potter than I do with the Dresden book, with the with Harry Dresden. But that is discussing, you know, again, apples and oranges, and that's where we are here when we're talking about Ghibli versus Pixar. Because which is better? Well, it really depends on what you resonate to. If you are like me and much more into the world building, and that's something that really strongly connects you to a story, then you're probably going to resonate more strongly with the Studio Ghibli films or with the more outlandish, much more world-built films from Pixar. Monsters, Inc. being one of them that I really, truly love, I absolutely love Inside Out. Like, that's one of my favorite movies. And for reasons that... That movie came out at a very special time in my life when I really needed to see it. And it really helped me get through a lot of stuff. But, you know, there's also a lot more world building there in those. And it has those elements that make me more likely to resonate with them. Does that make it better? No, because if that made it better, then uh, honestly... J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings or um, Frank Herbert's Dune would be my absolute favorite all time out of everything. And while Dune kind of is still my favorite series of books, just because I haven't found anything that I've resonated with quite that strongly, except for, you know, it, and it also is a series of books that hit me at a special age that I also read the Dragon Riders of Pern books at around this time. And while I resonate strongly with them too, the fact that they haven't been in other forms of media makes it harder for me to connect with, right? Because I have several movies and whatnot. So I think this which is better argument is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not productive for us to be talking about. But when you're talking about which do you like more, especially if you have a clear favorite between Pixar and Studio Ghibli, one of the things you may want to ask yourself then, especially if it's Studio Ghibli, is, oh, is it because of the world building? And if it is, then you just learn something very special about yourself that will help you find other things that you really will resonate with. It's honestly why Harry Potter is, to me, my favorite series between it and the Dresden's and the Dresden books, 
the world, the wizarding world of Harry Potter is so much more interesting to me than the world that Harry Dresden lives in. But that's just me. I don't fault anybody who likes Dresden better. He's a fun character. I like him. So hopefully, I, I just wanted to add that. Like, I don't disagree with anything that Karsten Rundquist said in his video. And if you haven't see, seen it, I highly re recommend that you look up his YouTube channel and watch it. But there was this one thing that kept nagging at me that I was kind of waiting for him to talk about. Because he does do a lot of deep dives into how story works, how cinema works. And I was kind of hoping he would highlight this. And he didn't. And since he didn't, I thought I would take some time and do it myself. And also give you guys a brief introduction to Kisho Tenketsu, which is something that fascinates me. And I've been spending a lot of time wrapping my head around lately this year. So if you would like more episodes like this with, about like why things are different, you can always recommend those to me. I would love to get those, you know, from, from you. You can go onto the Anchor app at anchor.fm and download the app and you can send call-ins to us. They limit call-ins to one minute, so be succinct. Kind of know what you want to say up front so that you can fit it all into that one minute timeline. Or if you want to send me multiple messages, you can do that as well. Um, but if you can keep it to a keep it to a minute, you have much higher likelihood of getting onto the show. Um, you can also hit me up on social media. You can find links to everything that I do and everywhere that I am over at projectshadow.com. If you like this podcast, please share it to your friends that you might think will like it and share it on your social media channels so that other people know that we're here and that we're back and when we're doing new episodes. Also, if whatever podcatcher you're listening in allows you to rate and review a show, please leave a rating that helps us out, helps me out a lot in building audience and getting people to know that I'm here. Um, if you want to support the show in the show notes on whatever podcatcher you're looking at, you'll see a link to support us via Anchor. You can give at the $1, $5, $10 levels. I have nothing to do about that. I choose those levels. That really does help me know that you love the show and love what we're doing here and want the show to continue and helps me pay my bills. <laughs> And more importantly, it helps me get to conventions and stuff to see you guys, because that's kind of the highlight of my year, is when I get to go to a convention. Um, if you want to support everything I do, including my writing, you can head over to patreon.com and support me over there, and thank you in advance should you do, choose to do that. Um, I'm thinking of revamping the reward levels over there, if you have a suggestion for a Patreon reward, that would also be nice to send in because I don't like the ones that I have and based on people's reaction to them, I don't think others like them either. So um, I'm trying to figure out what to do about them. So if you have any ideas, let me know about that too. Okay. So until next time, so this weekend, because this week, because things are different, Thursday's show is going to be my normal Fiction Friday episode give you an update on what i'm working on and friday remember we have the super ultra mega dreadnought review coming so i can't wait till we get to talk about that so until next time thank you so much for listening and commenting and doing everything that you do for me you really make it 
You make my day every day. Um, until next time, have the fun. Bye.